Hello? Anybody home? Today, I want you to open your mind. I've almost come to the conclusion that the story is so damning that the mass of people can't deal with it. We are in process of developing a whole series of techniques to get people actually to love their servitude. We face a hostile ideology, global in scope, atheistic in character, ruthless in purpose and insidious in method. For we are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy that relies primarily on covet means for expanding its sphere of influence. To change the minds and the attitudes and the beliefs of the people of the world, especially the United States, to bring about one world socialist totalitarian government. The potential for the disastrous rise of misplaced power exists and will persist. It has patterned itself after every dictator who has ever planted the ripping imprint of a boot on the pages of history since the beginning of time. Brutes have risen to power, but they lie. Dictators free themselves, but they enslave the people. If you can get people to consent to the state of affairs in which they are living, then you have a much more easily controllable society than you would if you were relying wholly on clubs and firing squads and concentration camps. Tools of conquest do not necessarily come with bombs and explosions and fallout. There are weapons that are simply thoughts, attitudes, prejudices, to be found only in the minds of men. As you connect the dots between different people, organizations, places, religions, history, suddenly the picture starts to form. If you don't connect the dots, it's just a mass of what's all this about. The kingdom of God is within man, not one man, nor a group of men, but in all men, in you, you the people have the power to make this life free and beautiful, to make this life a wonderful adventure. Someone born in the United States is not more special than someone born in Mexico. Someone who is white is not more special than someone who is black. They're just vehicles for the consciousness to experience. War is peace. Freedom is slavery. Ignorance is strength. They do not want your children to be educated. They do not want you to think too much. It was learned that the aliens had men and were then manipulating masses of people through secret societies, witchcraft, magic, the occult, and religion. They reach into our children in music, television, books. Prey on children's innocence. How can I disprove lies that are stamped with an official seal? So if you have the opportunity to stand next to one of these machines, it feels like an altar to an alien god. Genetic power is the most awesome force the planet's ever seen, but you wield it like a kid that's found his dad's gun. The Army Air Forces has announced that a flying disc is now in the possession of the Army. Too many others know what's happening out there, and no one, no government agency has jurisdiction over the truth. Any state, any entity, any ideology that fails to recognize the worth, the dignity, the rights of man. That state is obsolete. A case to be filed under M for Mankind in the Twilight Zone. About time some of you got acquainted with the real hard truth. It's the heart that says, I will not acquiesce. Broadcasting from the Sonoran Desert, I'm your host, Ryan Gable, and you are listening to The Secret Teachings Radio, Airing five nights a week, Monday through Friday, 10 p.m. to midnight every night, right after Ground Zero with Clyde Lewis. Ground Zero.radio and the Aftermath FM app are the best ways to listen to the show. You can also, of course, listen on our website. We have a free archive. 
and links to podcast and radio players, or you can just use whatever player you already are using for radio shows or podcasts. Type in The Secret Teachings. You should be able to pull us up that way. If you want the ad-free version of the show, though, you can subscribe on the website. You get access to the show, the montages, my digital books, and more. www.thesecretteachings.info If you subscribe, if you buy a book, my new book, Liberty Shrugged, but I don't promote my old books enough, Occult Arcana and The Technological Elixir, also Food Philosophy, which is an important book for the Halloween season. Those books are also available only on the website. And when you support the show by buying those things, that is both financial and mental support, because I know that if you'll spend your hard-earned money on the things that I produce, that I think, I hope, they're worth something. So I really appreciate that, everybody who subscribed or bought a book. And of course, everybody who leaves a review, it doesn't cost you any money, leave a review on one of the radio or podcast players. I'd really appreciate that as well. If you missed last night's show, a three-hour special, our history here on The Secret Teachings, my anniversary special from the first time I spoke on radio 13 years ago to the creation of The Secret Teachings. Back in 2013, I played you some, for me they were embarrassing, but I played you some clips of the show as it progressed over the years and you could hear both my voice and the quality of the show change and adapt to new technology and also to me kind of finding my voice. So if you find that interesting about the history of the show, we also had a couple of guests on the show. A few people called into the show because part of it was recorded over the weekend. You can listen for free. You can download the show. It's also coming with a 40-minute after show. So it's three hours and 40 minutes. So that's a lot of radio. Just visit our website or search your player, and the show should have already populated by now. That, again, that was last night, so it should already be up there. If you're having trouble, just reload the page, of course. Tonight, we are getting ready for Halloween. We are already a third of the way through October, and I thought this week we could start with a little bit of Halloween spookiness by looking at some bizarre images Images that, well, maybe when you look at them the first time, they're not so bizarre. But when you look at them again, they, they sort of imply that something abnormal is going on in the image. So, for example, the New York Post reported just a few days ago that the Internet, and I don't like when they refer to the Internet as this collective human consciousness, but the internet has been baffled by an old painting from the 1860s that appears to show a woman holding an iPhone. Now you see that iPhone present, or at least what we call an iPhone, in other paintings, one in 1937 by Umberto Romano and one in a painting by Peter de Hooch in the 1650s, You also see similar types of things that are not phones but look like laptops in ancient Greek paintings, ancient Greek reliefs. Some of these things you might have seen before, but I had already looked at these images last week, and then I saw this news article from the New York Post, and I thought, well, that's a topical issue. I think we should probably discuss it a little bit. 
I think that when we're looking at these old paintings and these old sculptures and reliefs and all these these old depictions, hieroglyphs, etc., I mean, who could forget uh, the Temple of Seti the First with the well, it's supposed to be a tank and an airship, but one of the hieroglyphs does look like a helicopter. I think a lot of this is what I call techno-pareidolia. Now, for those of you who don't know, pareidolia is the tendency for our perception to impose a meaningful to us, a meaningful interpretation on a nebulous stimulus. It's usually visual. It's a pattern. It's a face, usually faces. It's like when we look up in the sky, we see clouds and we see ships like a boat or we see a bird like in the shape of a cloud or a whale or something like that. That's pareidolia. When we look back at these old paintings and ancient sculptures and ancient paintings as well or ancient hieroglyphs, I refer to it as techno-pareidolia because we're seeing, in a sense, what we want to see. If you glance at some of these images, for example, there's an image from 1937, a painting called Mr. Pincon and the Settling of Springfield by Umberto Romano. If you look at the painting, you can find it at the Smithsonian website. It has what well, we would refer to them as pilgrims and uh, Native Americans, although I know Native Americans usually prefer the term Indian uh, or whatever their tribe is. So there's like there's Indians and there's pilgrims and so it's Europeans and Indians. And it looks like one of the Indians is sitting down and texting on a phone. And I realized that that image is very similar to the one that the New York Post is reporting on this week, a painting from the 1860s called The Expected One. It was painted by an Austrian painter, Ferdinand George Waldmuller, and it shows a girl walking down a path in this open, sort of open wooded area. And it looks like she's holding the same exact thing as this Indian in this other painting. These paintings are hundreds of years apart, and it looks like they're holding the same thing, which they might be holding the same thing. I'll get to that in a second. Some say that it looks like a cell phone, and I agree, it does look like a cell phone. It looks like a little black monolith with a silver trim that we call an iPhone. However, the woman who is walking in the woods holding this phone, this is what the New York Post was reported on, this painting called The Expected One, She's supposed to be holding a prayer book. Now, I know that's not as extraordinary or paranormal or it's not about time travel, as some suggest. But it is interesting because we see a cell phone. That's what we know, right? We, we see a cell phone. When we look at this other painting, it looks like this Indian is holding the exact same thing. But if this girl is holding a prayer book, which is what she's supposed to be holding in the painting... I don't really think there's any conspiracy or mystery to it. That's probably what the Indian is holding as well. Because we know that Europeans attempted to place their religious belief systems in place, or I should say replace native belief systems with European belief systems. And this isn't just Europeans for the record, because 
A lot of natives saw Europeans as savages. A lot of Europeans saw natives as savages, but both Europeans and natives did not all see the other group as savage. Many of them worked together, had families. I mean, even before the Europeans, as we know Europeans, you know, it way before the 1600s, uh, going back to the 1300s and the Sinclair family and all that, you find that there were there were white people here and they had married with the, the native tribe. So that's just a piece of history. I always like, I, I have to throw that in there because I just get tired of hearing this anti-white, anti-European thing, nonsense, this stuff. So it looks like he's holding a prayer book. That would make a lot of sense, especially if this girl's holding the same thing. She's holding a prayer book. Again, two different paintings. There's another painting though from the 1650s of a Dutch home. And it looks like likewise, someone is holding up a cell phone. I think they have a hat. looks like a hat in their left hand and they're holding up in their right hand what looks like a cell phone. Now say it looks like a cell phone. Then you, you go look at this and you say, oh yeah, that's definitely a cell phone. Okay, that's fine if that's what you see. But I feel that this is very easily describable and defined. It's describable because they were probably holding little booklets. Especially some of these paintings, those booklets were popular, little prayer booklets. And also because we think in terms of what we know. We don't, carry, we don't carry around prayer booklets. We carry around phones. So if someone was looking at something in their hand that was small and black and silver and white, probably was a cell phone, right? That's the techno pareidolia. We see what we understand. We see what we already know. Now, this is why if you go back into the ancient world, and you can find dozens of cases of this, if you look at paintings, if you look at even descriptions, not even paintings, but just descriptions in the Bible or other religious texts, they seem to describe things that we would understand today as being alien. And we get those ideas largely from science fiction. So we interpret Indian texts, Judeo-Christian texts. We even interpret Eastern texts, Asian texts, Chinese texts, as having this deep historical information which is profound, which there is that, but culturally we see the profound stuff in that of flying machines, in that of aliens and spaceships and laser beams and nuclear bombs. Let me give you an example. In the 4th or 5th century, we're not 100% sure when it was written, Julius Obsequens wrote Prodigorium Liber. And he identified, this was in 4th, 5th century AD, he identified things in the sky that he called ships over Italy. He said that a round shield was seen in the sky. In another part of Italy, he said the sky was all on fire and one saw figures like ships. If you ever saw that movie 2012 where they're talking about getting to the ships and it turns out they're not spaceships, they're boats, that's kind of what's going on here, right? We think ships, oh, they must have been alien ships. No, they were boats. That's what the people knew at the time. That's why they also saw shields. That's why they saw 
the chariots of the gods. This is what they knew. This is what they, 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 they understood. So this is what they saw. Now, as time has gone on, we have seen other things in the sky, perhaps the same things, and we identify them by what we understand them to be, just like we identify those things that the ancient people saw as things we also understand. Like, well, those must not be boats. Those must be alien ships. That's not a shield. That's a spaceship. That's a, that's a flying saucer, a flying disc, thanks to Kenneth Arnold and an Oregon newspaper. And we look at things today in the sky, and we see the same thing. Oh, it's, it must be a spaceship. That's a UAP. It's a UFO. Maybe in 100 years, we'll look back and say the same thing. Oh, there's people in the 21st century. 300, 400, 500 years from now, those people in the 21st century, they thought, you know, spaceships were flying around. These aren't spaceships. We know that most of these UFO sightings are insect swarms now. We know that they're balls of energy, that they're animals, that they're, you know, some, something else, right? So we see both today and in the past what we understand in the same way that back then, this Roman author was seeing what he understood, shields, chariots. He doesn't say chariots. He says shields and ships. If you want a really good overview of this stuff, you should read The Gods of Eden by William Bramley. Super duper highly recommend that book. It's a very good book. It's a cheap book, too. So it's not that expensive if you want to read it. Uh, lots of really good information in that book. But here's the idea. Techno pareidolia. The New York Post published this article a few days ago. Internet baffled by woman appearing to hold an iPhone in an 1860 painting. Think about that for a second. That's a good headline, right? And people are going to click on that. I mean, I clicked on it. Now, I, I did, you know, I guess to be fair to the synchronicity, I clicked on it because I had saw, I had seen this image of Mr. Pincon and the Settling of Springfield by Umberto Romano. I saw this the other day, like a week ago, and I actually sent it to myself uh, from the Smithsonian, and I thought, I might, might want to talk about that coming up, but we'll have to figure out a show that that's, that's relevant on. I don't, I don't know how I'm going to work that into a show. And then over the weekend, I see this article, Internet Baffled by Woman Appearing to Hold an iPhone in an 1860 Painting. And there were some other news articles that picked this up. But see, the thing is, people have seen this for a long time in the modern age, not just the last year or two. You know, Ancient Aliens is really popular because of this. Time travel and YouTube videos, that kind of stuff is really popular because of this. I mean, you look at these carvings and paintings from ancient Greece. Grave Nyxos of an enthroned woman with an attendant is the name of the statue from 100 BC. And it shows an attendant holding up an object and you see the woman on the throne lifting the top of the object. Some say, hey, that's a computer. There's also little holes in the side of it. Maybe, you know, USB. What was that one cable from Apple? Fire wire, fire cable. Maybe it's an auxiliary port. There's also another Greek painting that shows, and this is part of our show promo tonight, an image is worth a thousand conspiracies. You see this, it's an orange, uh, orange ink on a black background. You see this person with like what looks like a paintbrush or a stencil, um, or not a stencil, I mean like a, like a compass. Uh, and he has 
I mean, it could be a, a stylus. He has an object in his hand that also kind of looks like a computer. Now, it doesn't make any sense. People point out and say, well, this, this, he's got a stylus and he's holding the laptop. I mean, some laptops have styluses, but he's, he's looking at this object and the stylus is not for the screen, if that's where the screen is. So it's probably not a stylus. It's probably not a computer. It's probably makeup or it's like paint uh, or it's a box that he's taking something out of, you know, like a necklace box that's kind of flat. I think that's what these are. I think that it's either a jewelry box or a painting box, like they put paint in it, mediums of, of color and stuff. Or they have like an easel that seals so you can take it with you. Or it's makeup. I mean, it could be a lot of different things. And the same thing with these people, the 1650s painting, the 1860s painting, and the 1937 painting, all showing iPhones. I don't know if they really show iPhones. I think they show little booklets. But it is interesting because if they are little booklets, then they're being depicted in the same way in all these images. Uh, Again, the Indians with the Europeans, probably that's a prayer book because they were being converted. And then this woman with a prayer book, that's probably pretty common. People used to carry those kinds of things. It goes back to the 1920s. I, I, I think probably more popularly, there is a movie called The Circus, and it's, it's a Charlie Chaplin film. And in the movie, there is a, a scene with a woman or some say a man, today it could be both, who has a long black coat on walking down the street and they appear to be holding something up to their ear. Now, people weren't carrying prayer books around from what I understand in the 20s like they were maybe in the 16, 17, 1800s. But maybe it was a little pamphlet, a little booklet or something. This was in the movie. So you see, you see that there's a visual of this. There's video of this. Maybe they were reaching up to scratch their head. Maybe they, you know, they had an itch or they scratched their ear. I mean, whatever they're holding, it could just be a shadow. It might not be hold, they might not be holding anything at all. There's just a lot of possibilities. But see, here's the thing that really gets me is we focus on what is clickbait, right? Because what's clickbait makes people money. What's clickbait often is diverting our attention from things that are much more profound. So social media allows the algorithm or I, well, I guess they do the the algorithm of social media allows for certain things to populate those platforms like flat earth. You can talk about flat earth all you want. You can talk about, you know, certain kinds of conspiracies all you want within, you know, within your own group, like, you want to talk about QAnon and Pizzagate? One side, you know, dismisses that, but the other side has a platform for that. If you want to talk about how evil Republicans are and how they're Nazis, then there's a platform for that. But if you want to talk about, you know, something like ancient artifacts that are that are out of place and out of time, that clearly rewrite history and clearly do not fit into the archaeological historical record. But they're there, they're real, they're not disputed, they're in museums like the Antikytherian device or the Baghdad battery. They found several of those. Those are two huge ones, the Klerkstorp spheres. I mean, even things that aren't small, like the, the Negroid heads in South America, the, you know, they were attributed to the Toltecs, the, uh, the amazing pyramidal structures, the temples, the megaliths, the monoliths, uh, different locations, Nanmadog, Agantija, the, all these places that's proof of something fantastic, something extraordinary. And although that makes for a good Ancient Aliens episode, although that makes for a good documentary on the History Channel, 
or on discovery, we always hear the same stale stuff about, about it, right? Well, it has to be aliens. Humans couldn't have done it. Well, maybe humans did do it. And maybe the reason we have some reference point to if this is not just technopareidolia, maybe it's because humans did have a more advanced civilization. Some of it was destroyed. And, you know, basic things, you know, like books and paper and even computers, like these things over time break down, fall apart, disintegrate, etc. So over thousands, millions of years, maybe even we, we don't see those things anymore. So there's no evidence, but there's evidence of the stone structures that are left over. That's what was left from the high society. Humans then picked up where their ancestors left off and we tried to recreate those things because maybe the priests or the engineers, a lot of these people died in some cataclysm. So we tried to pick up where our ancestors left off and we built dilapidated pyramids, dilapidated temples. We told obscure stories that were sort of seeming like they're missing details or something. And that became what we know today as mythology. That became what we know as history, archaeology today. And we're still trying to figure it out. And we think with every new technological advancement, hey, we're, 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 we're progressing forward. But one, progressing forward toward what? That's just a phrase. And two, could we actually be progressing forward toward history, not toward the future, toward things that we, the humans have already done and accomplished? That makes sense. So I don't think that these paintings and images or even the Charlie Chaplin film shows anything to do with time travel. I want to instead have a conversation tonight with our guest coming up, Chris Matthew, about what he sees from Forbidden Knowledge News, what you might see. I'd love to hear what you have to see, what, what you have to say about what you see, rdgable at yahoo.com. And whether you think this is techno pareidolia or something else, it's just the idea that time travel is clickbait, flat earth is clickbait. You can discuss things within you know the realm of what's acceptable. But some things, like discussing middle ground perceptions, usually not allowed on social media. Usually if they are, they just don't receive the same kind of attention. Because we want the mysterious, we want the extraordinary, but I think the mysterious and the extraordinary is not in the videos and, 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 the, and the presentations and in the, in the wild speculation, it's in the hard evidence. That's where the extraordinary resides, I think. And we're going to look at that extraordinary, fascinating history when we come back here from break. This is The Secret Teachings. Chris Matthew, our guest this evening, coming up right after this, he'll join us for the rest of the show, a picture is worth a thousand conspiracies. More after this. The Secret Teachings radio show is on Facebook and Twitter. Just search facebook.com forward slash The Secret Teachings to like us and TST underscore underscore radio to tweet with us. I hope that you'll check out my new book, Liberty Shrugged. I wrote Liberty Shrug to provide historical context and to dispel many of the myths that we learn about in American history. Inside the nearly 700-page book, you'll learn about meritocracy, the differences between civil liberties and civil rights, and how Western civilization didn't start slavery, but ended it as an institution that had existed for thousands of years. How many of the Founding Fathers did indeed own slaves, but what was peculiar about this was that these men would fight to end the institution for a variety of reasons. 
We look at the real causes of the American Revolution and the American Civil War. We prove without a doubt that slavery was in no way, shape, or form the cause of current socioeconomic issues which affect all people regardless of their color. In other words, this book dispels countless divisive social, cultural, and historical myths in an attempt to objectively find humble gratefulness in the American experience. Get your copy of Liberty Shrugged at thesecretteachings.info in softcover or digital. This is David Icke from davidike.com and you are listening to The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable. From Ground Zero to The Secret Teachings, keep your dial tuned to Ground Zero Radio. Want to hear more of The Secret Teachings radio show? Search for the show on any radio or podcast player or find links and a free archive at thesecretteachings.info. If you want to get rid of those annoying ads and get extra perks like access to the montage archive, digital copies of Ryan's books, and early access to the show, then subscribe to the full show archive at thesecretteachings.info. Visit the website and click the button that says subscribe. You can do so monthly, yearly, or through a one-time donation. Your support always keeps the secret teachings on the air. If you enjoy the secret teachings and want to hold years of Ryan's research in your hands, visit the website and grab a physical and digital copy of Ryan's books. Occult Arcana will introduce you to sacred myths, folklore, magic, and alchemy. The technological elixir will take you from transhumanism and AI to black goo and UFOs. Food philosophy will change your mind about what we call food, germ theory, and geoengineering. And remember, shipping is always included. Some restrictions exist for international. Visit thesecretteachings.info. This is one of the best discussions I've been on in a long time. You guys are right on it. Howdy, this is Joe Mars, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings. Attention, you are tuned into restricted airspace. Tune out immediately. This is the frequency of The Secret Teachings on Ground Zero Radio. Tonight on The Secret Teachings, my guest, Chris Matthew from Forbidden Knowledge News. We'll get to Chris in just a moment. I asked him to come on the show because the subject tonight certainly is, or at least would be, if it is true, would be considered forbidden knowledge. According to the New York Post, this is a recent article just a few days ago, the internet is baffled by a woman in a painting from 1860 who appears to be holding a modern-day cell phone. Obviously, in 1860, they didn't have cell phones. But it looks like in the painting, that's what she's holding in her hands. It's called The Expected One. It's a painting by an Austrian painter, Ferdinand George Waldmuller. And... Let's call them skeptics because that's the word everybody identifies as understanding. Skeptics would say, no, she's just holding a prayer book. Now, if I say I also think she's holding a prayer book, I don't consider myself to be a skeptic. I just find it interesting that today in 2022, we look back on paintings from the 1860s or we look back 
on paintings and carvings from ancient Greece, even ancient Egypt. And we see things that tend to mimic the types of things, the types of technologies that we have today. In this case, it's a cell phone. Now, there are plenty of other versions of this, what I'm calling techno-pareidolia. There's a painting by Peter or Peter de Hooch in the 1650s, that's 200 years earlier, showing a Dutch home with somebody standing off to the right side of the frame looking like they're holding a cell phone, just like in this other painting, The Expected One. So those are 200 years apart. Then there's another painting, a famous painting by Umberto Romano. This is more recent, 1937. It was painted, but it represents European conquest 400 years ago in the Americas. It's called Mr. Pinkon and the Settling of Springfield. And it looks like there is a Native American or an Indian. Some Native Americans don't like the term Native Americans, an Indian, uh, with what looks like a cell phone in his hand. Now, the one thing I find interesting about all these images is if you look at the 1860 version of what people say is a cell phone, you look at the other version in the 1650s, you look at the most, probably the most recent one, 1937, they all sort of look the same, the object that's being held. It looks like it's black with a white outline. You might think cell phone, right? Apple, iPhone, silver trim. But if you look at any book, most books look like that. Most books have darker covers, and then they, of course, have the white or cream pages. So it's probably a book. But maybe it's not a book. I don't know. And I'm not going to sit here tonight and tell you that I do have an answer and that these are definitely cell phones and you should donate money to me so I can continue to investigate them. And I'm also not going to tell you that I'm 100% sure that they're little prayer books. That makes the most sense to me. They're probably books. But it's still interesting to investigate anyway. For, let, me, let me give you an example. For example, that I think an example that goes along with this very well. Uh, there was a book written in the 4th or 5th century A.D., called, I'll try to pronounce this, Prodigorium Liber. It was written by Julius Obsequens. And he was looking up into the sky and seeing things that he called ships. And he saw these ships over the country of Italy. He said, in Italy, this is a quote, a round shield was seen in the sky. At Capua, the sky was all on fire and one saw figures like ships. Now, this is an account from thousands of years ago. But it's interesting because he calls what we might refer to as ships today as spaceships. He's not referring to spaceships. He's referring to boats, ships. And when he says there's a round shield in the sky, he's referring to, well, the ship or the object, whatever it is, but he's referring to the technology that they have at the time. So they look up in the sky, maybe the more scientific-minded, maybe they would identify it as something natural, but an observer otherwise might see a shield, they might see a, a boat, a ship, or they might see 
a chariot, like chariots of the gods, right? They might see a chariot. Today, everything we see in regard to whatever this guy was seeing hundreds and thousands of years ago, not hundreds of, but hundreds and thousands of years ago, we see them as alien spaceships, as, you know, the Kenneth Arnold flying discs. We see them as the new Pentagon uh, unidentified aerial phenomenon. We see them as UFOs, UAPs, or USOs if they're coming out of the water. But we kind of, we see them based on what is part of the, the, the lexicon, the UFO lore, the UFO mythos, science fiction movies, and where our current modern technology is. That's why I call this techno-pareidolia, because pareidolia, for those of you who don't know, pareidolia is the tendency for perception to impose a meaningful interpretation on something like an object or a pattern. You're seeing something that's not really there. Like if you look at, you know, a, I don't know, let's say a pile of rocks and you see a face in that pile of rocks. Or you look at, you know, clouds and you see a, a ship or an alligator, something like that. That's pareidolia. And I call this techno pareidolia because, well, it looks like they're holding cell phones. Of course, there's paintings from ancient Greece. There's reliefs from ancient Greece. Uh, one statue from 100 B.C. There are, of course, carvings in ancient Egypt, you know, the, the helicopter, which is, is really weird. Or you have the, uh, the objects that look like modern technology. And, uh, you know, some of these things in Egypt, you know, like the laser etched, essentially laser etched. They, I don't think they really know for sure, but it looks like it's laser etched, the flower of life that's been found all over the world. It's likely that some of these temples in Egypt, the ones that aren't dilapidated, they go back way, 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 way before. We think that the Egyptians were, you know, at the highest point of their technology and their development when really they were on a decline. They were trying to mimic the, the advancements, the technologies, the engineering that came before them. And we talked a little bit about this with Brett Olson last week and uh, about ancient history, mapping ancient history. And so this is sort of, in a sense, almost like a, a follow-up themed show to that because we're looking at these paintings and reliefs and we're seeing what looks like, well, in ancient Greece, what looks like computers. And I'm pretty sure that there's been an, an ancient aliens episode where they've shown this uh, grave nascos of an enthroned woman with an attendant. That's the name of the statue. And it looks like, well, maybe it's a computer with USB ports. I'm not sure what to make of all of this, but it's in the news. And I did a little bit of research and digging. And then I also thought, well, it would probably be good to get a guest on tonight. So I got Chris Matthew from Forbidden Knowledge News. Chris, first of all, welcome to The Secret Teachings. It's nice to have you here tonight. Wow, thank you so much for having me, Ryan. I'm stoked. Uh, looking forward to speaking. It's good speaking with you. You did have me on your show. When was that? About uh, two months ago, three months ago? Yeah, somewhere around there. Yeah. And where can listeners find your show before we even get started? Let, let them know about the website. Yeah, the, our website is forbiddenknowledge.news. We're available on all podcast platforms, and you can get our premium stuff at Rockfin. It's rockfin.com slash FKN+. FKN plus. Okay. So that's the, that's the place where the listeners can find you. Uh, Chris Matthew, and I'm pronouncing your last name correct, right? Matthew. That is correct. Yes. Okay, good. I was nervous when I said it. I thought I was thinking to myself, nah, I'm, it's going to be like Matthew or something. <laughs> Matthew. Yeah, no, the French pronunciation is like Matthew. Matthew. Close enough. Yeah. Like Chris Matthew. Okay. So yeah. Chris Matthew, what do you think of this? I sent you this stuff. Um, personally, I'm not taking a stance I tend to lean. It's probably not a cell phone, yeah. but it is 
interesting when you do consider a lot of ancient artifacts and anomalous artifacts and things found in million old strata that show that certainly there were things in existence thousands of years, maybe even millions of years ago that defy our understanding today. But what do you make of some? These are like 1860, 1600s. What do you think? Uh, I'm going to probably have to mostly yell at you in agreement with on this one. Uh, I think that it's probably some sort of pamphlet or maybe little tablets that they had at those times, something that they're reading uh, declarations from, or like you said, a prayer book. And we're seeing this as pareidolia. But, you know, I do have to keep an open mind on this one because some of these are very compelling as, you know, especially uh, what looks like the, the native holding the, the phone. They, well, it looks like a phone, but it could also be a tablet. And, you know, the other things that cross my mind is, I believe that a lot of artists and people who are very creative in nature have a way of channeling information from what you would call, you know, the universe, Akashic records, whatever they can connect to when they're in that creative mode. I know I do this whenever I'm playing like guitar or I paint myself, I draw and I get into a mode where I just kind of let it go and just start flowing. And, you know, I'm not really sure what I'm doing at the time, but at the end it turns into something beautiful. And, you know, I have no idea where some of this stuff came from, like when I'm writing songs. So I also wonder if maybe these artists are picking up on something like that through their consciousness uh, but it is very fascinating especially when you're looking at the one you were talking about just now with the, it looks like a, a laptop with two USB ports uh, that's definitely something different than a, a regular book uh, but it could be just like turned sideways that they're reading something and it happens to have two holes for some reason I don't know and maybe but those stuff is uh, maybe those yeah, holes were, maybe they were you know they were drilled or they they came about later on maybe that's you know, maybe that wasn't part of the original carving. I mean, this thing is thousands of years old, so we really don't know a hundred percent for sure, I guess. Right. Yeah. And I think, you know, there's also these other theories that most everything in our history has been altered in some way. And that uh, a lot of the history that we've been told is false and rewritten, even to the extent of like uh, painting paintings that weren't depicting the actual history. You know, that's a little far out there. I don't really look at that one, but you know, there's all kinds of theories as to what could have been going on. And uh, one of the most compelling uh, for me is the, like you were talking about the UFOs and what appear to be anomalies in the, sky being painted uh behind individuals and that's some of my favorite ones there yeah there are plenty of paintings that seem to show unidentified flying objects but again you know back in those days a thousand two thousand years ago i mean even two three hundred years ago you know we see whatever it is in the sky we see it if if we're not scientifically minded or aware of meteors or comets we see them as what we know uh, the technology that we have we see them as ships we see them as shields. We see them as chariots. And today we see them as spaceships because that's where our society, that's where our culture and civilization is at. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah it does. I've noticed that very much that whatever appears to be in the global consciousness at the time is what people are going to be noticing anomalously, uh, like things in the sky, uh, airships turned into flying discs, turned into these plasma ships and, and crazy <laughs> yeah. lights and stuff. Yeah. So yeah, I know exactly what you mean. Well, I've also heard, and, and I don't want to bring anybody up by name, but I've heard a lot of, let's call them intuitives or quote, 
I'll use this word loosely, researchers, a lot of people that, that, that make claims like, well, they've either been to or they've interviewed people that have been to underground military bases or they've met with aliens or something like that. And I've and I've heard some explain like, well, what's the you know, they're asked, what's the technology like in these places? And they're like, oh, they've got they've got 3D printers. And I always think, isn't that a relatively new invention? Why are these aliens that are probably millions of years old using technology we just created? Yeah. I, I noticed the same thing in a lot of uh, experience or contactee testimony that they'll be talking about these fantastical things that they're interacting with, you know, crazy touch screens that surround them and, um, you know, um, VR and kind of holographic technology. But there's also like a, a desk from 1985 that they're sitting in or something <laughs> that, you know, is existent today. So there is some high strangeness stuff that goes into uh, UFO and abduction phenomenon. I don't know how, how deep you want to get into that, but I've recently had some guests that claim to be, you know, like whistleblowers that, that believe that a lot of people who are experiencing abductions and, and uh, contact experiences are actually being subjected to some kind of mind control experiments, some kind of uh, nefarious clandestine or three letter groups or even the military are not necessarily abducting people, but maybe uh, hacking into their dreams somehow with some kind of new technologies. And this is not me saying this, this is actually a couple of guests that I've had recently in the uh, supposed MK ultra space, the whistleblowers, they've had experiences and they believe that a lot of abductees are being uh, subjected to false memories to, um, to get the UFO narrative uh, some steam because, you know, the UFOs are a big thing right now with the government and media. And uh, you know how often the government and media have our back and tell the truth, right? So, you know, it's very interesting to see the dynamics going on with how much the UFO phenomenon being pushed into the public. And I tend to not trust much that comes out of our government and media as far as some of the uh, recent agendas, especially. So, you know, it's, it's super interesting to see what's happening right now with that space. That reminds me of one of my favorite episodes of the X-Files, Jose Chung's from Outer Space. And I thought that episode was so good. I don't know if you remember it. it I, don't, I don't think I saw that one. This Okay, this couple, these young kids were abducted. Well, they thought they were abducted by aliens. I won't ruin it. But they end up yeah. going through these these kind of like hypnotic sessions where they re- try to recall what they experienced. And the whole episode, you know, Chris Carter, I think, was kind of a genius or he was being handed information. He was just regurgitating it. The idea was that the alien abduction, it starts as an alien abduction. Then it turns into like a military abduction where the alien, mm-hmm. the alien memory is a, is a plant for the military involvement. And then that turns out to not even necessarily be true either. And that's that's what I thought, too. But I've also felt that because I've read a lot about things like DMT and ayahuasca. And I know that yeah. D- DMT, which your body produces naturally, there's about 2% of humans anywhere in the world that produce a lot of DMT, like overactive DMT production. Do you know, you know about this? Yeah, yeah, I've heard this. So as a result of that, that may be forcing, without their knowledge or awareness, mm-hmm. forcing and putting people into altered states of consciousness where, whether it's like they're taking ayahuasca or they're taking DMT, they start to see and experience things that we otherwise, you know, 
we would know it's an altered state of consciousness. But if you're not aware that you're taking this, it's just being produced in your body. You start to experience these things. Uh, it becomes otherworldly and you start to see these creatures or you start to see these other dimensional planes of existence. And it, it, I mean, maybe that, that frightens people. The only thing that they have to register is, well, I must've been abducted by aliens, but it's really not aliens. It's just, just your own, your own mind, your own brain or some chemical reaction. Well, yeah, it is interesting because I've had quite a few psychedelic experiences myself. You know, I've, I've done some exploration in these realms and I'm still very open to what we're experiencing when we are under the effects. If it's just our brain producing these images and, and thoughts or if we're actually accessing something that is always around us, but we can't perceive because we're not in tune with that frequency or whatever in these psychedelics or whatever plant medicines or types of substances that you're using is a allowing you to have access to this or just, you know, maybe glimpses of these other dimensions, other realms, other frequencies that we can't otherwise perceive if we're not having that experience. Um, and, and I've, I've even been able to alter my, my state through, through meditation and have similar experiences through, uh, that I would have through psychedelics just through meditation. And, you know, it makes me wonder, just like you said, is this my, just my brain producing DMT and producing hallucinations or is it giving me access to something that we don't normally have access to? Also, when you're talking about, let's say, DMT or uh, any other kind of a hallucinogenic substance, you know, if you're taking it today in 2022, we might chalk up what you see. We might chalk up what you experience as being the result of science fiction movies and stuff like that. But what people experience today, whether they call them UFOs or they maybe they refer to them as even even fairies, people still have interactions with things we would call fairies or right. Um, they, They tend to mirror what our ancestors were painting on caves 30, 40,000 years ago when shamanistic culture came into being as we know it today. And alien abductions very, very much mirror shamanistic experiences from the having of of the babies to being dismembered and put back together, having medical experiments, implants. So there's a relationship there. And 40,000 years ago, we didn't have science fiction as far as we know. They told stories, but probably not science fiction like we know it. So what they were experiencing in painting and telling in oral stories being passed down, it certainly was an influence from Hollywood. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I'm totally of the mind that a lot of what we know as scripture, a lot of what we know as ancient uh, biblical texts and, and even, you know, uh, uh, spiritual texts before that were probably a result of shamanic experiences and rituals where individuals got these, had these profound experiences, got profound messages and information and wrote them out as is, you know, religious doctrine and things like that. And I think that's where a lot of these profound experiences come from. And like you said, uh, artists and, um, you know, people who were uh, painting in caves and in pictures might have been under the influence of these psychedelics as well. And I, that's highly possible. That's probably one of the most likely scenarios, actually. That's what some people theorize. There are some professors and some authors. Graham Hancock is, is one of them. He mm-hmm. wrote, wrote a book called Supernatural where he explored these ideas. I think it makes sense. I think a lot of our spiritual practices and a lot of what we call theology and religion really did stem from those otherworldly experiences that were had by, well, uh, spiritual religious leaders, what we call shamans today. 
But again, you know, back then, 30, 40,000 years ago, we can't say for sure, but what they have painted and what we have passed down more recent generations, maybe a few hundred years, few thousand years, it's still similar to what people experience when they're, quote, abducted by aliens or when they do themselves take DMT. I mean, you know, the the the. Mm-hmm. Uh, the famous uh, Strassman, it Strassman study of the DMT, yeah. they saw the same things that were documented thousands of years ago, and that was in a controlled uh, clinical setting. So there's something there. I mean, if it's just the imagination or just the subconscious putting this stuff together without the need of like science fiction, if you will, then there's either another dimension or several other dimensions that we're tapping into, or there's just a collective unconscious field that can be accessed. Yeah. Yes, I love that. And I thought the exact same thing that we're all sharing, uh, you know, uh, parts of us are, you know, we're all connected in somehow and we have the ability to access uh, this information field that probably surrounds us at all time. But I want to get, I actually want to get your thoughts on this. I want to go back to the paintings and uh, you know, a lot of what we're seeing now with people claiming that uh, not only are there cell phones and old paintings, but just the, some of the crazier conspiracies that we see these days uh, are becoming very detrimental to uh, I believe people in the truth community, actual people who uh, do their due diligence and research and don't just post crap uh, mm-hmm. like we're seeing on YouTube. But what's happening is the system is using this against us. Have you heard of the new um, documentary that's coming out, Shadowland? Shadowland, I have not. Okay, now this is going to be a documentary that portrays how dangerous conspiracy theories are and how people who support them are basically domestic terrorists. And they, uh, they followed a few people in the truth community around under the false assumption that they were making, um, that they were going to make them look good in this documentary. And it's quite the opposite. It's, I think it's on Peacock. It may be even on Peacock now, but I believe they're going to, you know, start doing more and more of this to kind of make people who, uh, seek alternative truth and don't follow the narrative blindly seem dangerous to, to most of the public. And I think that that's where we have to be careful with shit like the, you know, the paintings and saying, excuse my language, uh, saying that, uh, we have to, you know, that these are cell phones and technology when we really don't know what they are, but this is happening across the board with a lot of what we consider conspiracy theorists and stuff going on right now. And I think it's dangerous for all of us. You know, we have to be more discerning with this stuff because they are starting to use it against us. No, there's no doubt about that. I've never heard of that documentary, but this is something that I talk about quite a bit here on the show. I don't consider this to be alternative media. I don't consider this to be independent media. I consider this to be, alternative thought, independent thought, because I'm not looking at these paintings just like you clearly are not looking at these paintings and thinking, well, that must be a cell phone. There's time travelers. There's something that that's being concealed here. I just find it interesting. So then I want to present it to an audience, have a guest like right. you on Chris and have a discussion about it. And that's the issue is that having that open, free discussion, debate, whatever it is, sometimes it's an argument with people, but having that discussion, that open forum that's what the threat is. So what's yeah. being what's being done here is the open discussion is being associated with the wild outlandish quote conspiracies to discredit anyone being able to have a conversation or to have an opinion that is beyond the mainstream, beyond the status quo accepted narrative. That's what I think is right. happening. 
Yeah, you're right. And it's probably desired that people put out crap and uh, fake videos and fake information uh, so that, you know, it it floods the Internet and people don't know what the hell is really going on. I'm I'm sorry, you're you're 100 percent right. And that's why when you look at what happens on YouTube or Twitter or Facebook, they allow some of the most nonsensical garbage to populate those platforms while claiming that they don't like conspiracy theories, but they let all those conspiracy theories flood their platforms. Yeah. Yes. And another thing that's kind of coinciding with this is I do, I do a lot of paranormal and UFO shows and ufology and things like that. And I have a lot of guests who are considered what they consider ufologists, paranormal investigators, And I've noticed over the years that there are actually people that I believe that are intentionally placed in these spaces to muddy the waters and get people confused. There absolutely are. Maybe we can talk a little bit more about that when we come back from break. Chris Matthew, Matthew, how do you pronounce it again in French? Matthew. Matthew's good. Matthew. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, that's perfect. Chris Matthew from Forbidden Knowledge News. Forbidden Knowledge News. Check him out secretteachings.info is our website more with chris after this more about these paintings and carvings what do they mean maybe we'll find out when we come back from break stay with us you're listening to the secret teachings for more information on the show or to contact ryan visit the secretteachings.info or email ryan at rdgable at yahoo.com Hey, this is John Peasy at JohnPeasy.com, and I'm here with Ryan Gable from The Secret Teachings. Do you like The Secret Teachings and Ryan's passionately balanced approach to subjects from food and health to the entertainment industry and the occult? Then check out Ryan's books, available in PDF and softcover with free shipping in the United States. For a deeper look into artificial intelligence, UFO cults, black goo, and packs made with the devil in the music and entertainment industry, have a look at the technological elixir. Or look for Ryan's masterpiece, Occult Arcana, an encyclopedia of occult knowledge spanning from mythology and science to symbols and sigils, from ritual magic to voodoo, and from comparative religion and psychic abilities to paranormal activity. For a practical, balanced, and unique look at the food industry, vaccinations, the theories of disease, and geoengineering, grab a copy of Food Philosophy. Just visit thesecretteachings.info. If anyone can hear this broadcast, I'm still on Earth. This is the frequency of Ground Zero Radio, Ground Zero with Clyde Lewis, and The Secret Teachings with myself, Brian Gable. You could listen to this. And again, you know, people say David has no evidence. David has no evidence. I hate this channel. Or you could listen to The Secret Teachings with myself, Ryan Gable, five nights a week on Ground Zero Radio. Join us to explore the outer limits of history, symbolism, parapolitics, and more. We'll explore a little bit of everything, but don't take my word for it. I'm kind of like you. I'm a last of a dying breed, a generalist. That's The Secret Teachings, five nights a week on Ground Zero Radio. This is Kev Baker of The Kev Baker Show, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings. 
with Ryan Gable. People ask me all the time what they can do to take control of their lives when facing a daily onslaught of dis and misinformation. I say take control of your body and mind with water filtration. Visit www.thesecretteachings.info and click on our affiliate sponsor link with Pro One Water Filters at the top of the page to search for a water filter for the home, camping trip, and even the shower. They filter countless contaminants and make a wonderful gift for friends, family, and yourself. That's Pro One Water Filters at The Secret Teaching. Broadcasting from somewhere between the normal and abnormal. A collection of question marks. No reason, no explanation. Just a prolonged nightmare in which fear, loneliness, and the unexplainable walk hand in hand through the shadows. It's The Secret Teachings on Ground Zero Radio. tuned into the secret teachings radio i'm your host ryan gable the secret teachings.info is our website the email rdgable at yahoo.com please leave us a review on apple podcasts or any radio or podcast player or app where you listen to the show that's one way you can support us tell people what you think of what we do you can also grab a copy of one of my books on the website, thesecretteachings.info, groundzero.radio is the best way to listen to The Secret Teachings. And, of course, you can find us on social media as well. Uh, yesterday was our 12 going on 13, somewhere in there. I guess it depends on when I you know, decide that I really started radio. I, I spoke for the first time on radio 13 years ago. But yesterday was our 12, 13-year radio anniversary so that show is three hours and 40 minutes. There's like a 40-minute after show that's in the archives. If you missed that, you can check that out and listen for free by searching the show or checking out our website. Even if you're not a subscriber, it is available there. That's a three-hour and 40-minute show. It's like double the length of a normal show. And uh, also, another show we did last week, Brad Olson was with us, and we did a two-hour show with Brad, and we had a really good response to that show. A lot of people enjoyed it. I think tonight's show is kind of in the same ballpark, in the same uh, theme, if you will, with that show we did with Brad, because we talked about ancient maps. Yeah, the Perry Rees map and others. We talked about megalithic structures, monoliths. We talked about things that are sort of out of place in human history. And here's the thing that, I find to be, let's call it, conspiratorial. Our guest this evening is Chris Matthew. He is the founder and director at Forbidden Knowledge Network, Forbidden Knowledge News. You can find him by searching Forbidden Knowledge News or find him on Facebook as well, his last name, M-A-T-H-I-E-U. And Chris was saying in the last segment that there seems to be and I'll say for lack of a better word, infiltration of various, again, for lack of a better word, communities. And when we look at, let's say, ufology, there are real investigators. There are real people. In my opinion, Travis Walton is a real person telling the truth. And I feel that people like that find it harder to have their stories shared. Yes, a movie was made. 
Yes, Travis Walton still does interviews, but that story of Travis Walton or anybody like him doesn't receive the same kind of bump by social media that a lot of other stuff does. And I think the reason for that is because the algorithms, specifically the algorithms, are trained and programmed to take anything that is potentially serious, although unexplained and anomalous, and scrub it. But other things, like for example, Chris, right now, I'm not sure how you feel about it, and and, and there's no need to really get into a discussion, but the flat earth theory, this thing (laughs) is everywhere. But if I want to talk about, let's say, the Baghdad battery, it doesn't seem like that has the same level of popularity. Right. Oh, yeah, I've noticed that. And, you know, I'll just say this about the the flat earth thing. There is uh, there's great evidence that a lot of these people are coming out with that maybe uh, the traditional model of space that we've been told about is not what exactly uh, what the narrative says. And yes, I do believe NASA hides a lot of stuff from us. Agreed. Um, but you know the the, the flat Earth I think is another one of those infiltration subjects. Uh, just like a lot of things that have been pushed into our consciousness in the past five ten years. Uh, that is probably complete BS. Um, and we've, you know, it, we, there's no way to tell with any of this stuff. There's no proof one way or the other, uh, until there is actual proof and we can completely disprove it, but that rarely happens. And at the same time, since 2020, we've had, uh, what we, what a lot of people consider conspiracy theories that were true. A lot of shit that, excuse me, a lot of stuff that people found out, uh, within the past few years were not what they've been told. Uh, for their entire existence. Uh, A lot of things about our government, food industry, pharmaceuticals, medical industry. And that's just to start with about things that we've been lied about. So it's, it's very confusing. We're getting bombarded on both ends with disinformation and truth. So uh, it's, it's difficult for folks to find out what's really happening in reality. It's almost as if you are allowed to exist in a mindset between um, or never between two extremes, but within one of two extremes, you can either believe that everything is as you were taught in school, or you can believe that the earth is flat. And any discussion that tries to weave together the two is not allowed on social media. And it also isn't, I mean, usually it's because I think of algorithms, but it's not as popular when you talk about radio shows or podcasts. Like for example, tonight, We're talking about techno pareidolia. That was the show idea. Uh, Picture is worth a thousand conspiracies is the name of the show. And Chris and I were looking at these pictures, paintings from the 1860s, carvings from 100 BC. Uh, There are paintings from the 1600s, paintings from the early 20th century, but depicting things from hundreds of years ago. And they all seem to show either what we would interpret as laptops today or people holding cell phones. Uh, The expected one is a painting from 1860 by an Austrian painter. It shows a woman walking down a path. It looks like she's holding a cell phone. There's a painting from the 1650s of a Dutch home. It looks like one of the people, one of the women there, I think it's a woman. It's hard to tell. It's kind of dark. Maybe it's a man, but today it could be either uh, holding a cell phone. And then there's uh, basically like a carving. And then there's a painting from ancient Greece, which I'm sure you've seen these at one point or another, where it looks like, They're holding laptops. Now, personally, I think that the laptops are some kind of, uh, it could be for painting, it could be for uh, for makeup, could be one one of those things. 
And the, the little cell phones aren't really cell phones. They're probably prayer books or some other little pamphlet. But we interpret technopareidolia. Pareidolia is the observance of patterns and uh, 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 things that look like something else we know and understand. So today we call them cell phones. Just like UFOs, UAPs, we call them spaceships. But thousands of years ago, they referred to them as chariots or shields or ships like boats. So you put all that together and... It's either you have a discussion or you just say, well, it must be time travel. Time travel, that's a cool subject. That's going to get a lot of attention. But if you say, I don't know, I think it's just, it's probably pareidolia. Or I like what you said, Chris. You said some of these painters may have been accessing something that we would consider to be futuristic. So they were seeing things and incorporating that into their paintings. I like that idea. That's a lot better than time travel for me. Yeah, and I, I think it's something that just naturally happens when we're being creative. I think that we have a, a kind of a state of being where if we're in that creative state and we connect to something and we just let that connection flow through us, uh, that we can create uh, pieces of art that we didn't really have in ourselves or we had no idea that we were going to create before uh, connecting to whatever it is. And like I told you earlier, I've done this writing music. I've written written beautiful songs that I believe probably beyond my capability as far as writing music. But when I uh, just get into this kind of meditative state when I'm writing or even drawing or painting, it's much better of a result than when I'm actually sitting there thinking about it, trying to do something, trying to put something together that I've kind of pre-thought out before. It doesn't work as well. So true. Just let go and just get into this meditative state. It just flows through and it's a I think a lot of what we're seeing in art throughout history is happening. You know, that's what's happening there. That is so true. I, I, I don't, I don't want to say this as a, as a promotion for myself, but I wrote a book recently. It's almost 700 pages. To be honest with you, I have no idea how I wrote the thing because I wrote it in less than two months. No idea. Yeah. I, I flipped through it. I'm thinking, I'm thinking, did I write that? I, I just learned something new from my own book. I understand what you're saying. I think we all have that ability and we do it whether it's music, writing, painting, drawing, whatever it is. And some people ask for that. They open themselves. I've known artists that say they've opened themselves up to anything, which can, of course, be very dangerous. Uh, and, and those artists work. You find a lot of dark imagery because there are darker things. Maybe that's the subconscious, the daemon. But something is operating through them. That's not just raw consciousness in the third dimension. So... I think that whatever these paintings and these sculptures and these things are, I think it's technopareidolia. But here's the, well, we, talk, we started this segment off with this idea. Uh, once again, if we look back into history, we find the Antikytherian device. We find the Baghdad battery, which is pretty famous. We find the Clerkstorp spheres. And these things are manufactured. These things are not debatable. It's not like, well, is that, a, is that actually a computer or not? No, the, the, the Antikytherian device is a computer, and it's, it's very, very ancient, very, very old. Those are the things that I feel should be, I mean, Ancient Aliens kind of talks about it, but that's kind of trivialized and, you know, cartoonish. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. I feel like rather than the New York Times is running an article on a paint, this painting from 1860, this woman's holding a cell phone, it's probably a book. But th those are things that really just redefine human history. I feel like that's what should be our, our center of focus. If, if we're really, I'm not saying it's, I, I don't want to sound like I'm being, I'm not sure what the word is. I'm, I'm not being negative. I'm not being dismissive. 
I'm just saying that I think the algorithms are set. So we argue over whether a painting shows a cell phone from 200 years ago when we actually have hard physical evidence that our ancestors were way more advanced than we think, probably more advanced than we are. Right. And it's, it's, you're absolutely right. It's just brushed over some of these uh, ancient, seemingly advanced technologies that we found. Uh, I, I, you know, it makes me believe, of course, that humanity is much older than we've ever been told. And probably we have been advanced for much longer than we've told. And we've been probably wiped out through cataclysms several times over. Uh, and that's where our amnesia comes from as a humanity. Um, but if we want to go back to the, the channeled information and channeling in general for a second, um, even though some of the information comes through, like say a person claims to be a channeler and they have this profound stuff that they're talking about that may happen in the future and things that we have to do as humanity. And they're channeling this from uh, say an alien, uh, you know, and th these are all claims that uh, individuals, channelers make that, you know, th the information that they're they're getting is real. Now, say, for instance, uh, you know, we're, we're looking at artwork or a painting that could have been channeled. It's beautiful, profound artwork, and maybe it has some sort of prophetic um, nature to it. Maybe it has elements of, of prophecy to it. But is it true? Is it all true? Is all the information that's being channeled real, you know, or is, could we, you know, maybe connect to something that would be deceiving us in a way? And I think that's another element that happens a lot is people are connecting something that may not have their interest or humanity's interest in mind and want to feed us bad information. So what you just brought up, this, this, this kind of just blew my mind because I'm looking for an article right now not thinking about it before the show, but I'm looking for an article that just, uh, I think it's, it's, it's completely aligned with what you just said. I read an article the other day, archaeologists in uh, China have uncovered a human skull that they say, and this is like a modern human skull. They claim it's a million years old. Have you heard about this? I haven't, I've heard of a couple of million year old types of uh, um, body parts, but I'm not sure if this is the one. Uh, I, it's probably not the the exact one you're talking about. This just came out, but I I know about okay. those body parts. There was a million old, a million year old, more modern uh, Homo sapiens sapiens skeleton found in Italy a long time ago. So, anyway, mm -hmm. this is a story from uh, CNN even published it. So it's it's mainstream news. It says Chinese archaeologists discovered an incredibly well preserved one million old Homo erectus skull. So it's not Homo sapiens sapien, uh, filling a major gap in our understanding of human evolution. And when I read that, I thought huh, just, you know, a, a thought process. I thought, okay, so remember those images that China showed us at the beginning of the so-called pandemic, people dropping dead yeah. on the street and all that was made yeah. up and fake and people here in the U.S. didn't start dropping dead. So <laughs> I thought maybe it's possible that countries like China, not that the U.S. wouldn't do it either, the Smithsonian or something, they could plant, stage, or come up with fake artifacts, uh, fake uh, human remains to muddy the water of the historical mm -hmm. record, the archaeological record and of human evolution. What do you think about that? 
I think that is highly possible and not only, you know, faking remains, it goes back to what I was talking about earlier. How much of our history can we really know is actually true that may have just been rewritten to serve certain narratives at the time or certain rulers? Uh, you know, this is, this is the age old question about how much of our history is actually accurate and how much was just written to portray a certain aspect of reality that wasn't true. Uh, and I think this is going on. We're witnessing it right now, actually, uh, through through remaking of movies, portraying characters that weren't really who they were, rewriting history, uh, getting rid of not books, getting rid of literature, banning books, uh, changing people's view of what, you know, uh, sexuality. All these things that are just right before our eyes changing because it suits a certain narrative, this has been always happening. So how do we know anything is really right? That's 100% accurate. I, I usually don't say 100% accurate, but that's 100% accurate. I agree with you. That's precisely something that we can measure and quantify today in the last mm -hmm. five, 10 years. When you think of just the, the wear and tear on stories and artifacts and even uh, megalithic structures uh, things can change yeah. little, little things can be removed intentionally or otherwise that can distort our perception of what those things are and when we look at let's let's say let's let's pick one of these things let's look at the um you know the baghdad battery or the perry Reese map Indis mm -hmm. indisputable for the time that these things were drawn the time that these things were made they are unable to fit into the the paradigm into the lexicon into our understanding of history yet they are there that changes our understanding of history but we don't actually change collectively our understanding of history we continue to go forward not wanting to change the history books not wanting to change the narrative it doesn't even have to be a conspiracy it's just well that's kind of lost in the past we don't fully understand it let's just move on so much has been lost because we've just decided let's move on. Let's not look at it. It's just too much to consider because it completely rewrites our entire understanding of humanity. And that makes me think, Chris, what happens in a thousand years when somebody finds the remnants of our civilization and they find a copy of Harry Potter? Are the archaeologists <laughs> right. in a thousand years going to be digging for Hogwarts? That's what I think. Yeah, you're exactly right. And just look at look at what our written history tells us about World War II and all the supposed victories humanity has had as a whole throughout history. I mean, we just you know, starting to learn through independent researchers and, and brilliant individuals that World War II was actually very, uh, very distant from a what we would call true victory for, for America uh, when we look at the truth about what happened after and during and before the war. So that's just one example about how not only is our history being altered, but we have very few um, collective victories as humanity, uh, especially written out through history. As you know, we can look at our wars, for example, but what else can we look at that we've actually had something collectively wonderful happen for humanity that was actually real tangible that we could look at, you know? Well, it's also easier to say, for example, you look at mid-1930s, late 1930s, early 1940s, and what we call Nazi Germany, the Germans, I mean, they've always been very industrial, much more advanced than the rest of Europe, generally speaking. 
And they had invented, like by the late 30s, the first magnetic computer tape. Uh, Hitler even had, I don't know if they used them a lot. I know that I've seen some, um, some images and depictions of them. They had drones that were moving on the battlefield through remote control. Um, and Nikola Tesla invented that in the early 20th century. Uh, you know, so remote control was a relatively recent thing. Uh, the CCTV cameras. I mean, basically, the, the Nazi party of Germany invented outside of Nikola Tesla a lot of, if not the modern age, a lot of the modern military age. And mm-hmm. we're not allowed to think about that because, well, Hitler was bad. Nazis are bad. So what happens is it's easier in 1947 to look at the work of Corso and to look at the Roswell incident and to say, well, a lot of our modern technology must have come from aliens rather than a lot of it came from untethered, advanced human engineering and science, which was untethered in Nazi Germany. Does that make sense? Because I think that's where a lot of advanced technology comes from, an untethered, unlimited access to resource uh, machine in Germany but we'd rather say, well, it came from aliens in 1947 because we don't want to use anything that, that Nazis used. We'll use alien yeah. tech. Yeah, and I'll go even deeper with that it, it, and connect it to channeling. You look at stories from like uh, the Thule Society or Burial Society Real, that yeah. says that uh, these beautiful women were channeling information on how to engineer some of the, the craft and some of the technology that the Germans were coming out with. So that's also another connection to, you know, even technology may be able to be uh, to be learned about and channeled through these various methods. Possibly, and some refer to the Roswell crash as a Nazi UFO. They said that, I mean, the Nazis certainly were, the Germans were certainly uh, developing the flying wing and the, the different disc-shaped craft. They were absolutely working on that, whether they had succeeded or not. We don't know 100% for sure. Some say that it's easier to believe that Roswell was an alien spaceship or that nothing happened as opposed to believe that it was it was literally a German flying disc that crashed in Roswell. Maybe it had been recovered uh, from yeah. from the end of the war and it was taken to a secret military installation and the U.S. military was using it. They were experimenting with it, trying to trying to understand how it worked. But again, it's easier to believe it's aliens than we're using Nazi technology. <laughs> Yeah, man, and Roswell is one another one of those foundational UFO stories that everybody can point to as you know one of the kind of original stories that it's gets the, mythos. the UFO. Yeah, the mythos that gets that into the the, the public consciousness. But I recently had um, Peter Moon on, who's just written a book called The Roswell Deception, and he uh, his, him and the, a lot of the researchers that he's been uh, working with to write this book believe that what we know as the Roswell incident could have possibly just been Japanese dirigibles uh, or airships that made it to, to our, uh, to, to well, that's US interesting. That's fascinating. And were shot down and the U S government just didn't were embarrassed. Didn't want us to, to think that Japanese were able to do that. And they, they blamed aliens and UFOs, which then turned took off into the, the whole, you know, Roswell phenomenon, which if that's true, it's all based on uh, a false foundation. So that's another one of those things that, you know, if, if this is, if this is true, that this wasn't UFOs at all, where does that leave us with the whole UFO phenomenon to begin with? And that's very possible considering that five years before that, I learned this year, year, a little under a year ago. In February of 1942, Chris, a Japanese submarine, and you can find this on the History Channel website, 
Never heard of it before. A Japanese submarine shelled an oil refinery near Santa Barbara, California. The first I heard about you heard that. Yeah, never. We've always been told the U.S. has never been Mm -hmm. was never attacked except for Pearl Harbor during World War Two. Not true. And this was around the time of the uh, the uh, what they call the battle or the raid over Los Angeles. Some were thinking the Japanese said we didn't do that, but some were thinking the Japanese were invading the mainland at the time. So it's very possible that he touches on in this book that Peter touches on in the book is that it's possible that also in that what we consider that that air battle of UFOs, that was just Japanese dirigible as as well. I've seen a lot of it. I've seen a lot of evidence that suggests that it wasn't Japan. And I, and I don't know why Japan would deny uh, that they took that they, cause they took responsibility for the bombing of the oil refinery. But I, why they wouldn't take responsibility for the battle LA, if you will, those objects that were tracked up and down the coast. But nevertheless, the idea that, you know, Roswell could have been an an airship. I've never heard that theory before from, you know, a Japanese airship. They had subs right off the coast. It's very, very possible. So these are the kinds of things that, I mean, obviously you find a lot of interest in this with, uh, with what you do with your show, forbidden knowledge, uh, forbidden knowledge news and I, I obviously find a lot of interest in here in the secret teachings, but that doesn't also mean that we just believe anything right. that we hear or read. And that's that's the thing that going back to what we said earlier about the cracking down on conspiracy theories, it's not cracking down on conspiracy theories. It's cracking down on open discussion and thought, because even though some of this stuff we're talking about, like the Japanese submarine, it's well documented history. It doesn't really bode well for what we would consider to be patriotism because the U S was actually attacked on the mainland. It wasn't a devastating attack. It was like $500 worth of damage, but it was still something that happened historically that's documented. But just like those artifacts, Chris, we brush over it. It's easier just to brush over it. And I think we've seen so much brushing. We've also seen so much sweeping under the rug that it's not really outrageous or outlandish to think of the more extraordinary when we don't have enough of the mundane to really solidify and confirm what we what we think we know. So we tend to lean into the paranormal. We tend to lean into the extraordinary because we don't have enough information otherwise to make sense of what's happening. Yes. And it's kind of uh, depressing in a way when you look at it that we can't pin down our real history and we're witnessing changing of history right now and changing of the present to the extent that probably within a few years, the younger generations will have no idea what really happened even up to a decade ago. Uh, you would think with the age of the internet and technology that we'd have access to all this stuff when we would know everything about what happened in, in our history and what happened 10 years ago. But that is actually not true. Everything is on the internet is being altered and changed and removed. Real time. Books are being removed in real time. So how will we know? You know, it's terrifying for the future generations. Um, and how do we know that, you know, even us and this generation understand our even recent history? I've seen polls and make of them what you will, but I've seen polls. It's like one in three Americans thinks that the sun revolves around the earth. I think it's like six six percent of millennials out of thousands that were surveyed. Six percent of millennials think World War II started because it was like World War II started because JFK was assassinated. I mean, the, the, <laughs> it's pretty bad. Yeah. Uh, Technoparadolia, uh, Technoparadolia is the main issue tonight. The main subject. We're looking at these paintings and sculptures. We're going to talk more 
with Chris Matthew when we come back from break about that. And also there's a Charlie Chaplin film called The Circus. I'm sure some of you might have been thinking about it earlier. That reportedly shows, well, what people call a time traveler. Came out in 1928, long time ago. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. Chris Matthew, the guest. This evening on the show, there's more after this. Stay with us. The Secret Teachings radio show is on Facebook and Twitter. Just search facebook.com forward slash The Secret Teachings to like us and TST underscore underscore radio to tweet with us. I hope that you'll check out my new book, Liberty Shrugged. I wrote Liberty Shrugged to provide historical context and to dispel many of the myths that we learn about in American history. Inside the nearly 700-page book, you'll learn about meritocracy, the differences between civil liberties and civil rights, and how Western civilization didn't start slavery, but ended it as an institution that had existed for thousands of years. How many of the founding fathers did indeed own slaves, but what was peculiar about this was that these men would fight to end the institution for a variety of reasons. We look at the real causes of the American Revolution and the American Civil War. We prove without a doubt that slavery was in no way, shape, or form the cause of current socioeconomic issues which affect all people regardless of their color. In other words, this book dispels countless divisive social, cultural, and historical myths in an attempt to objectively find humble gratefulness in the American experience. Get your copy of Liberty Shrugged at thesecretteachings.info in softcover or digital. This is David Icke from davidike.com, and you are listening to The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable. From Ground Zero to The Secret Teachings, keep your dial tuned to Ground Zero Radio. Want to hear more of The Secret Teachings radio show? Search for the show on any radio or podcast player, or find links and a free archive at thesecretteachings.info. If you want to get rid of those annoying ads and get extra perks like access to the montage archive, digital copies of Ryan's books, and early access to the show, then subscribe to the full show archive at thesecretteachings.info. Visit the website and click the button that says subscribe. You can do so monthly, yearly, or through a one-time donation. Your support always keeps the secret teachings on the air. If you enjoy the secret teachings and want to hold years of Ryan's research in your hands, visit the website and grab a physical and digital copy of Ryan's books. Occult Arcana will introduce you to sacred myths, folklore, magic, and alchemy. The technological elixir will take you from transhumanism and AI to black goo and UFOs. Food philosophy will change your mind about what we call food, germ theory, and geoengineering. And remember, shipping is always included. Some restrictions exist for international. Visit thesecretteachings.info. This is one of the best discussions I've been on in a long time. You guys are right on it. Howdy, this is Joe Mars, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings. Attention, you are tuned into restricted airspace. Tune out immediately. This is the frequency of The Secret Teachings on Ground Zero Radio. Chris Matthew is our guest this evening on The Secret Teachings. I'm your host, Ryan Gable. The website, www.thesecretteachings.info. If you visit the website, you'll find my books, our show promos, Monday through Friday, links to listen, a biography, 
of myself and some of our co-hosts who occasion on the show. You'll find a lot more on the website. Just visit it, www.thesecretteachings.info. Scroll through it. It's pretty simple to use, kind of antiquated. I like it that way. You can also email the show at rdgable at yahoo.com. Tonight, a picture is worth a thousand conspiracies. Technoparadolia is the main idea tonight. According to the New York Post, an 1860s painting appears to show a woman holding an iPhone, or at least that's what the, quote, internet says. I don't like that terminology, by the way. Well, the internet is on fire today. The internet is ablaze today. The internet is 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 inspired. I don't like that. I don't like talking about humans as individuals as part of a collective digital identity. That bothers me. But the picture they're talking about was painted by an, Aust- an Austrian Ferdinand George Waldmuller. It's called The Expected One. Pretty simple painting. At least it looks like it. I couldn't paint it. Probably pretty complex to actually paint it, but it looks pretty simple. It's just a landscape and a woman walking with a dress down a path, and she seems to be holding something in her hands, looking down at it. She might even be praying. Sort of looks like her eyes are closed, and some are saying it looks like she's holding a cell phone. There's another painting in 1650, or the 1650s, it's dated. Pieter de Hooch painted a Dutch family in their home, and it looks as if one of the family members is using a cell phone. In Mr. Pincon and the Setting of Springfield by Umberto Romano, painted in 1937, it shows what looks like a cell phone being used by an Indian. It deals with European conquest of the Americas. That's what the painting is. Then, of course, in Greece, we have both paintings and we have the statue of the grave of Naskos of an enthroned woman with an attendant from 100 BC. And it looks as if there are laptops. The 100 BC statue, it looks like there are little holes or auxiliary or USBs in the laptop. Now, these are things that are fun to talk about, fun to speculate about. Do I think they're cell phones? No. They do look like black iPhones with that silver trim. But then again, little tiny booklets, little tiny pamphlets, Little tiny booklet or, you know, any book, really. I mean, books have most most of the books I have anyway. A lot of books usually have uh, kind of darker covers, darker than white. So you have a darker cover and then you have the white pages that looks like a book. And I think it's interesting because you have the painting called The Expected One. She's probably holding a prayer book. It looks identical to what the Indian is holding in the Umberto Romano painting. And it would make sense if it was a prayer book because, well, Europeans, although this is a whole other show, let's start by saying Indians saw Europeans as savages. Europeans saw Indians as savages. The Indians weren't levitating, singing a happy song, living in complete and absolute peace and harmony like had never been experienced before. The Indians were at war with each other. So the Indians were given material to turn them into Christians. And and on the West coast of the United States, that became very violent and brutal. Uh, They would uh, torture and, and, and beat these heathens. But again, the Indians saw the Europeans as heathens as well. So the Indian has what looks like and probably could be a prayer book if they were being converted. So that makes sense. 
And uh, I don't think these are laptops in the Greek paintings and, and carvings. I think that they're probably they're probably like because this one guy has almost like a stylus in his hand or, you know, we call it a stylus that to them was probably a paintbrush. And it was it was probably for makeup or I mean, in the setting of it, it was probably for makeup uh, based on the context clues, uh, makeup, painting, something like that. Or it could have just been a box you know, that held something, uh, could have been a jewelry box, could have been something like that. To me, that's what makes the most sense. I don't think it's time travel, but there is a movie called The Circus by Charlie Chaplin that came out back in the 20s, and it seems to show, uh, they think it's a woman, uh, some say it's actually a guy, but again, it could be either today. Uh, this is ABC News. The scene in question shows a woman or man in a long black coat walking down the street and appearing to hold something up to her ear. Our guest this evening, Chris Matthew. Chris, have you seen this movie or have you seen the clip or the images from the movie? What do you make of that? Now, uh, this is actually the only one that I have not seen. I've heard it described before. Uh, I, I didn't even see this article whenever you sent it earlier, but this is fascinating to see that it, you know, we actually have a, a live action film where we can examine a little better. Uh, and you said it looks like they're holding uh, something against their ear. Well, you have to go back and, you know, think during that time period, what could we possibly have that we would be holding up to our ear uh, that's portable like that and wireless? And there's not much that I can really think of. So this is an interesting one. Yeah. So she's not looking at it like a cell phone, you know, mm -hmm. where it could be a book. It could be a phone. Yeah. It's being held up to the ear. I mean, maybe I mean, there are some things that I'm sure that we could we could research from the 1920s. But generally speaking, I don't think there was a lot of stuff back then that you would hold up to your ear unless maybe she was just reaching up to scratch her head or something. You know, it could be right. Could be could that have been simple. a shadow. Could have been a shadow. She could have had a book in her hand and reached up to scratch her head. Or, and it could it could be anything. I don't yeah. think I don't think that it's time travel. But when we look at all this, one thing that comes to mind is a very, very famous hieroglyph at the temple of seti the first have you seen this with the of helicopter course, yeah. this is this famous. is one of my favorites yeah what do you make of that because that definitely See, looks like a helicopter <laughs> that looks like a helicopter and looks like a tank next to it and it looks like some sort of spaceship right there it's in the airship. middle yeah yeah some kind of airship or something like that uh and these are so uh the depictions are so accurate to what we know as a helicopter or a tank, it's hard to dismiss that, you know, that, that there weren't depicting something futuristic in some way. I don't know how that's possible unless it's like we were talking about earlier where we can pick up on these fields of information and energy during altered states or even, you know, meditative states where we get information possibly about future events where we perceived to be future or different types of realities. And for that, that particular, um, that particular carving that you're talking about, I don't see any other objects that these things could be. Yeah. This is the one that I am going to not give you a yes or no, whether I think it is or isn't something or isn't something or might be something. Because when I look at it, I do see a helicopter, but I also consider the possibility that, even though Leonardo da Vinci wasn't an ancient Egyptian, you know, da Vinci was drawing and uh, he was de devising and creating things that were way beyond his time. I mean, he invented mm -hmm. 
tanks. He invented submarines. He invented a, heli- a helicopter. Um, so, the, I mean, these, and we have to understand, I think most people get this idea that, you know, in these days, whether it's in Da Vinci's time or it's in ancient Egypt, maybe even before ancient Egypt, a lot of this stuff was, was, uh, you know, built over or, you know, they tried to mimic what was already there. So a lot of this stuff is very, 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 very ancient beyond the ancient world. I think we have to, we have to consider the possibility that it's certainly, yeah, perhaps it's techno pareidolia, uh, and, and perhaps also, I got a long train of thought here. Perhaps also what we're looking at here is um, not just techno pareidolia, but I mean, we're, we're, we're seeing something that looks like something we understand today. If these people were way more advanced, like way more advanced, you would probably expect them to have something more than a, than a black Hawk helicopter. Why is it something that, that we still use today? Um, So that's the techno pareidolia aspect. But then again, I mean, maybe, there was, I mean, this is like, I interviewed a guy named Jared Murphy and Jared Murphy believes yeah. that, you, you know, Jared Murphy. I've had him on a couple of times. Yeah. Yeah. He's a great guy. He, he wrote a book called it's not aliens. It's us. And Heath says he believes that what we call aliens, a lot of it is, is human activity, but there's actually an advanced human race that was left over from cataclysm that still is here on the earth. And they look a little different than us because they were really advanced. And our civilization today is basically building back from that destruction so it would make sense maybe if the ancient ancient egyptians did see something i mean it could think about this it could have been in a museum you know in a sense we can go back and we can look at museums of helicopters and planes they're not something we're using necessarily today they're older things maybe in those days you know this ancient civilization they had museums maybe the ancient egyptians saw those things they carved them in the wall there's so many possibilities and there's so much context that is here and is not here we can't say for sure, but it does provide a lot of debatable discussion. And I think it also, once again, because if you look at ancient Egypt, whether you look at that helicopter, that tank and that airship or not, the simple fact that these temples and these structures stand the test of time, I think that's much more fascinating than whether there's a helicopter carved into a wall. Yes, exactly. Also, if you subscribe to that time isn't linear, that it's possible that everything yes, yes. that we understand is happening at the same time and we do have the ability to tap into different information fields, you know, maybe that's what's happening is, is time isn't linear. They're tapping into just a slightly different frequency that allows them to download this information if they're painting or being creative or something like that. And how do we know that a lot of the um, artwork that we have today, modern artwork, paintings, uh, drawings, drawings and sculptures won't be uh, depicting something that, you know, maybe a hundred, 200 years from now that we invent or, or come up with, you know? No, of course. And I think that that's, I, I like the idea that time is not linear. I like that you brought that up because I was thinking of that earlier actually. And that would explain a lot of the inconsistencies and a lot of the uh, anomalies uh, yeah. that we have within history. Definitely. It, so you have, the Temple of Seti, uh, the first, you have, uh, well, that's the helicopter and, and uh, the airship and the what look, kind of looks like a tank. Uh, mm-hmm. And then you have the Charlie Chaplin film. That's obviously much more recent. And then you have all these paintings and then you have carvings in ancient Greece. And and then you also have a lot of the artifacts. You got the Baghdad battery, Antikytherian device. You've got these giant uh, stone heads in South America, uh, the Toltec civilization. You got pyramids all over the world. So there's a lot of history a lot of archaeology, a lot of things about human uh, society, civilization, and culture that we don't know. 
Uh, what we do know today, however, is that this type of technology, like cell phones, etc., has led to a lot of people becoming numb and disconnected mm. from reality. We also know that it has led people to become more anxious, uh, people to become more nervous, get less sleep, uh, less uh, better sleep, if you will. So the technology is having a very detrimental effect on human consciousness, the physiology, the, the biology, and, and collectively, you know, human culture and society. We're less social, even though we call it social media. So these are all the kinds of things that if there was, let's say, advanced technology like this in the past, um, perhaps that is what led to the downfall of those civilizations. This is a, an idea that everybody loves to talk about. It's like a fear porn kind of a thing. Uh, what do you think? You think that? I, th I think it's highly possible. And I think that there are very powerful groups of people that are leading humanity in certain directions through uh, applications of technology and social media and things of that nature. I mean, look at some of the things that's happening in our education system that's been happening for years. The, the bar has been, been lowered and lowered it's on and the lowered. Ground. And yeah, so intentionally that, you know, kids are not be learning anymore. They're not becoming intelligent. We are at a stagnant kind of evolutionary state when it comes to our intelligence levels as humans because of all this technology that we We've been dumbed down with. So it's like a de-evolution going on at the same time. But I, what gives me hope is what's happened since 2020. We have this kind of reawakening, this kind of renaissance of people that are looking for, for information and truth. And I think that this revival is what gives me hope that maybe we can turn around the dumbing down that's been occurring of humanity through all these people seeking truth now. I think that when we talk about something like technology destroying the world, all these late night radio types of subjects, I feel like when we discuss uploading consciousness into a machine, Chris, I think it's the usage of social media and the internet. We're loading our patterns and our data and yeah. it's creating a digital avatar. So we're not connecting directly to the computer. I think technology destroying the world rather than making it better. I think that's more so from a, from a psychological and a mental and, and, and a, more of a physiological, biological thing. It doesn't. It's not like the whole world's going to be flattened by some Armageddon Terminator type situation. <laughs> it's that we become so numb and so dumb and so disconnected that we start to forget how to use, um, you know, basic uh, things that we need to survive. And perhaps after several generations, things get so bad that you know, rather than there being an Armageddon type event, nuclear bombs and robots. Uh, we sort of digress in more of a spiritual and evolutionary way. And I think that these are just these are just ideas. These are just thoughts. I think that's what technology in general can do. But technology is also a wonderful, beautiful thing that has led to huge advancements in human civilization. So it's not all technology. Uh, these yeah. these are the kinds of things that like let's 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 go back to these paintings again. We look at these paintings and we see the things that we understand and the things that we know. But let's also think that like we have video games today, right? And we have movies today. And they, they show us these things that we, we know as science fiction. Uh, and perhaps in a thousand years, just like if archaeologists discover a copy of Harry Potter, they discover some of these uh, CG generated images of, you know, monsters or aliens or something. And that becomes the history. That becomes what they know in a thousand years was, was, was happening today. 
Harry yeah. Potter was a real thing. Harry Potter becomes a god. I mean, all the archetypes are there anyway. That's why it's so popular. And then they find paintings and things like this that, you know, paintings, drawings, uh, depictions of things that are just totally fictitious. It's totally made up. But then they say, well, they must have been in contact with aliens, just like we look at the city, uh, the, Se- the SETI temple, and we think, well, they must have had helicopters then because that looks like a helicopter. So there's just so many different things to consider when we look at things like this rather than just thinking, oh, that's, that's time travel. That yeah. makes more sense. It makes me think that could have already happened many, many times where Precisely. In, our, yes. in our ancient history, we created great media that was the illusion of monsters and aliens. And then now we're finding it maybe millions of years later. And we're like, oh, back then they had centaurs and dragons <laughs> and things like that. So, yeah, that it could be sick, totally cyclical. And we could be re-experiencing all this over and over again. And it's just us. It's just us confusing ourselves and losing ourselves and not knowing what our own history is. And it could also be the other way we could think of like, uh, let's say 500 years from now, archaeologists find Harry Potter and we start thinking all this, you know, magic was real and Hogwarts was real. And there was this big guy named Hagrid and there was an owl and delivered information and message. So we're, you know, taking something that's fictional. And although Harry Potter is based on some non-fictional stuff, but taking something that's fictional and then they believe it 500 years from now to be, you know, non-fiction for it to be real. But then we could have stories of the past that were very real. This is one of the theories of the Lord of the Rings. Some people think that Tolkien had access to these ancient libraries and he got information that he was basically writing a fictional account of a non-fictional history that dates back millions of years. So we could have something that's that's completely non-fictional, not Lord of the Rings, but you know maybe older accounts of centaurs and fairies and elves and dwarves. But then we, today we fictionalize it and make that true history just a fictional account. Yes. It could go either way. One, one step further, what about is if, the, if, if what some individuals say that the, the power of thought forms or egregores have that they could actually manifest oh, into yes. reality, if we actually believe that some of this history was real, can it make it real in reality? Uh, you know, like some of the Harry Potter magic stuff. This is the existential conversation we're having tonight on the secret teachings, Chris, Matthew, uh, we're almost at the end of the show. So I want to pump the brakes forbidden knowledge news, Chris, Matthew, M A T H I E U. Tell us a little bit about your show. If you have anything more to add about, you know, the techno pareidolia, we can discuss that, but tell us a little bit about your show, what you do. And uh, then we'll wrap up the conversation tonight. Yeah, I loved it, man. I thought I, I love going deep into all these aspects and you're absolutely right. Having these conversations is what they don't want us to do because it explores all the options instead of just throwing one BS option up there for everyone to choose from. So I love having these discussions and thank you so much for having me on. Uh, yeah, Forbidden Knowledge News available. Uh, our website is ForbiddenKnowledge.News, available on all podcast platforms. Um, our premium is on Rockfin. And we cover everything. We cover like topics we're doing here, paranormal, ufology, occult, hidden history, parapolitics, current events, anything, you name it, that they're not talking about on the mainstream. We're talking about it there. Uh, and um, that's it. You can find us pretty much everywhere. YouTube, not so much because they uh, like to censor us and we got two strikes already. So, uh, But everywhere else where you can find us. So forbidden, just like it's spelled, forbidden knowledge dot news that's correct forbidden knowledge dot news okay and of course for those of you who need the link forbidden knowledge news forbidden knowledge dot news will be linked up 
with our show description tonight. If you're listening on a podcast radio player, or if you're listening on our website on the player, uh, the little scroll player, uh, you click on notes and you'll find a link to ForbiddenKnowledge.News. Chris Matthew. So, and I'll just add that uh, uh, on our website, we it's the Forbidden Knowledge Network where we feature other podcasts that we've picked up from our community that we like to help out and, and feature on our website. So you can find tons of great podcasts to listen to there. So it's not just your stuff. Not just my stuff. We, we feature a few other ones on the website. All right. Excellent. So Chris Matthew, our guest this evening, in the few minutes that we have left here before we wind down and play that exit music, I'm getting better at uh, pumping the brakes before uh, the last few uh, seconds of the show and having to just cut cut off a guest. So we've got a few minutes left here. Uh, although tonight is a picture is worth a thousand conspiracies, techno pareidolia. Is there anything you want to spend these few minutes talking about that maybe we didn't get to tonight or something interesting that maybe uh, I don't know, my listeners don't know that you want to share with us? Um, not really, man. I just, I would like to just encourage everyone during these times to embrace your passion, to embrace your desires, because, uh, this is the time to do it. I, I I've had experiences myself, like even, even two and a half year, or three years ago, this, the show forbidden knowledge news was a hobby for me. I was uh, working full time at a corporate gig that I hated I hated waking up and going lie to people every day and, you know, making good money, but not being happy doing what I was doing. You know, I, through a profound experience that I had, I learned that I have to follow my passion, desires, things that I really want to do in my life because the universe has rewarded me for that. And I think it does that for everyone, everyone that seeks better for themselves and seeks happiness and their true passion. I find that the universe will take care of them. You take that first step, it'll take 10 steps for you in that direction and to get you there. So I just say, I encourage people to, you know, um, to come into their own and really, um, take advantage of the times we're in and do what you're passionate about. And that's about it, man. You know, as cheesy as that sounds, I completely agree with you because that's what I've experienced with radio over the years. And especially you were saying earlier too, like when you just allow things to happen rather than trying to control them, like in terms of preparing a show or writing something, you just allow it to happen. I always find those shows come out so much better than when I yeah. take so much time preparing that I get anxious about it. <laughs> yeah, there, there, there's definitely certainly something unseen that you're accessing and tapping into. Some people refer to that as the guardian angel or your holy guardian angel, which is in a lot of like golden dawn magic. People attempt to uh, communicate and, and contact that uh, that higher self or the, the deeper subconscious. Well, that's self. actually part of my experience. Um, I, I, real yeah, quick, I know, through I meditation, know. I was able to access what I consider to be my higher self. It told me, "Quit your stupid job, do this full time," and it kept telling me that till I did it. <laughs> and then you became successful at it. Yeah, and I mean, success too is also. I mean, success is relative in a, in a lot of ways, but uh, you've had a lot of success with your show. Uh, and, uh, well, yesterday was our 12, 13 year anniversary. I think we've had a lot of success with this show. It's not been easy, but I want to thank all of you for tuning into the secret teachings for listening to uh, Chris Matthew tonight. We'll have Chris back on the show. And, uh, as, as we said earlier at the beginning, uh, I've been on your show as well. So if anybody wants to find that, can they just dig through your archive? They can. Uh, yeah, just, uh, put your name in there. You'll pop right up and we'll have to have you back on as well. 
that would be really fun. We'll talk about something uh, equally as uh, interesting as we did tonight. So then the final question is, hopefully the final question for the amount of time we have left, these paintings, these sculptures, cell phones, prayer books, paint, makeup, what do you make of it? Yeah, no, I'm going to, I'm going to go safe like you and say, I don't know for sure, but I lean towards, I lean towards that. These are just little pamphlets or booklets or prayer books or something that they are reading or even like a stone tablet or something that has something interesting carved on there or painting. But I really don't think that their cell phones or any type of technology that was out of place for that time, but it's fun to think about, isn't it? It's very fun to think about, very fun to speculate. And I think yeah. I think the proof of that is in the 1937 painting, The Settling of Springfield, because the Indian has the same type of thing that this woman has in the 1860s yeah. painting. I'm pretty sure it's a prayer book. I'm pretty sure the Europeans were giving the Indians these little Christian mm, prayer books. That's right, what I think. Right, that makes sense. Makes sense. Although it does look like a cell phone, so maybe we're wrong. Maybe it's just, <laughs> maybe it's time travel, which, you know, Maybe we're right and wrong at the same time. Maybe we're right and wrong, yeah. I mean, time is not linear anyway, we don't think so. Who knows? (laughs) I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. Chris, thank you so much. Thank you. All right, you have a nice night. Uh, You don't have uh, have social media, anything you want to give out before you go? Just Uh, that website. You can just find us on Facebook, uh, Forbidden Knowledge News, Instagram, and uh, that's about it. All right. Well, sounds good, Chris Matthew. Thank you so much for coming on The Secret Teachings. I'll be on your show again at some point. You'll be back on this show at some point. Thank you. And have a good night. Bye-bye. All right, there goes Chris. Again, the secretteachings.info coming up on the very end of tonight's broadcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you so much for listening. I don't think we jumped around a lot tonight, but we did cover a lot of ground, and I think we hit every perspective that I wanted to hit because I think that there is a lot more than just the one-sided or even two-sided arguments and discussions and debates on these kinds of things like these these interesting paintings and carvings. And I mean, the, the temple of Seti the first is really fascinating. That doesn't mean that it's aliens. I don't know where people get aliens from. It's a helicopter and where you get aliens from, but anyway, you know, the website, you know how to contact us tomorrow night. We'll be back again, Monday through Friday, 10 PM to midnight Pacific tomorrow night. Should have another guest on, should have Laura Lavender on the program. We also have uh, Anthony Tyler coming up this week. We have Frank from Quite Frankly coming up this week. We also have Charlie Robinson, Karen Dahlman. Uh, I have some other fillers out, uh, feelers out for some other guests. We'll see if we can get some other guests on the show. But we have a lot coming up to Halloween. We'll do our annual candy and cereal and Halloween show. A lot in the month of October here on The Secret Teachings. Keep your dials tuned. Keep your phones, tablets, and computers connected to groundzero.radio, Aftermath FM, and thesecretteachings.info. Stay safe, stay informed, stay healthy. Remember, the music is White Bat Audio. And we'll talk to you on the next broadcast.
Want to hear more of the Secret Teachings radio show? Search for the show on any radio or podcast player or find links and a free archive at thesecretteachings.info. If you want to get rid of those annoying ads and get extra perks like access to the montage archive, digital copies of Ryan's books, and early access to the show, then subscribe to the full show archive at thesecretteachings.info. Visit the website and click the button that says subscribe. You can do so monthly, yearly, or through a one-time donation. Your support always keeps the secret teachings on the air. If you enjoy the secret teachings and want to hold years of Ryan's research in your hands, visit the website and grab a physical and digital copy of Ryan's books. Occult Arcana will introduce you to sacred myths, folklore, magic, and alchemy. The technological elixir will take you from transhumanism and AI to black goo and UFOs. Food philosophy will change your mind about what we call food, germ theory, and geoengineering. And remember, shipping is always included. Some restrictions exist for international. Visit thesecretteachings.info. Do all the exploring you want, you're not all the drilling of the earth you want. You're not going to find hell. You can take spaceships out, you're not going to find heaven. They're not physical places. What happened before the Big Bang? The church, of course, saw scientists as a great threat. Illuminati, secret society, Illuminati, a checkered floor. This is reflective of darkness and light, and that is in life. A person is constantly going through dark period and light period. This is the nature of the world in which we live. What happened before the Big Bang? The church, of course, saw scientists as a great threat. Illuminati. New world order. Secret government within our government. 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 government.